You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Gonna have to give me just a second here so I can add in the Mile High Huddle Facebook page. Uh, let's see, there we go with that. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country, and welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, what's going on, man? We got week two of the preseason coming up tomorrow. The, the Denver Broncos go over to the Seattle Seahawks to square off in their week two of the preseason game. Uh, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the start in this game. There's a lot to really look forward to. This quarterback competition is ongoing full. I really can't wait to see what the, this rookie class does in their second uh, preseason game of the season. How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing really good, man. I'm super excited for this game. It's going to be a battle in my household. My wife's a Seahawks fan, and of course, <laughs> me uh, with the Broncos. So it's going to be a, a fun, interesting night with that. I think we're planning on doing, having a, another extra little ga- uh, date night kind of thing to watch the game. And I could sit there and annoy her by breaking down everything that's going on. But super excited. I mean, preseason, it's always, it's always an enjoyable time for the preseason for the simple fact that you're seeing guys – give everything they can to try to make a roster. And even if it's not the Broncos roster, they're still trying to show enough to catch on elsewhere. And it really brings out the best of a lot of people and including certain quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this, it, they always say, you know, especially, uh, you know, when the when there were four preseason games, that last preseason game was really the audition for the bottom level of the roster, guys. It's, it's an audition not only for the team that you're on, but 31 other teams across the league. And with the uh, with the preseason cut short this year, obviously we're only going uh, three games this year with the added regular season game. Every single preseason game does matter. It may not matter in, in the super long run, but to some of these guys, that they could potentially be selling insurance or cars or even working at your local grocery store here in the next you know three months months or so this is their last opportunity one of the few opportunities that they're going to get to impress a coaching staff I mean look at guys like Eric Salbert who is the tight end four as of right now he look, he could be looking on the outside looking in you know if he has another really good showing against the Seahawks like he did against the Vikings he could really you know curtail his way onto this roster so it's very fun to be able to watch these lower level of the roster guys just compete go out there have fun and put good tape on a uh, good tape out there for everybody to see yeah and for anybody who says that preseason doesn't matter I just tell them Go take a look at Terrell Davis. If it wasn't for preseason, he wouldn't have made the Broncos roster. And who knows what would have ended up happening with him. Preseason matters. Maybe not exactly to the starters, the guys who are cemented on the roster. But for these guys at the bottom, it's a big deal. And unfortunately, with this year, we've already had to see five guys get cut. Instead of having that one big cut down day, they're doing five. And then there's another five that are going to be losing their jobs here in just a few days on the 24th of August. So, it's going to be it's always tough seeing these guys they don't don't get very many opportunities yeah it's like i said it's really fun the bottom level of the roster guys you know like as of right now you could probably say there's 35 to 40 guys on the denver broncos roster that you're sure are probably going to be there uh when cut when the final cutdowns come and they get uh moving towards the regular season but you know like let's just call it roster roster spots 46 through 53 that's where really we're trying to figure out the tail end of this roster. And these games really matter for those, for those five, six, seven, eight kind of guys. Um, but guys, 
we have a really fun show for you guys today talking about just the players we want to really look at look out for what we expect from these players what we expect out of the quarterback competition um players that look to to gain the most lose the most uh pretty much anything covering the the seattle seahawks game coming up on saturday at 8 p.m mountain time i believe is is when that kickoff is uh but it's again it's gonna be a blast before we get into that guys gotta say hello to everybody in the chat greg smith over on facebook what's up man how we doing lord dear uh brian greenfield jumping in here with the five dollar super chat we appreciate you brian nothing to say just showing some love but we appreciate everybody for joining us today uh liliana moody jumping in here on facebook uh can you give me the link where i can donate i cannot send stars here don't know what's going wrong with that um i'm not exactly sure where i can find that for you i'm not super tech savvy um maybe we'll get back to you on that later and chad can help us out here um, he's behind the scenes right now, just kind of checking out what's going on here for right now. Uh, Jay Kozad on YouTube as well. What's up, dude? Uh, DeAndre Weatherspoon. Good to see you, man. Uh, Steve Tobacco. Good evening, fellas. Good to join you guys again. Good to see you, Steve. Uh, Mark Lindemood on Facebook as well. Good evening, Broncos country. Good evening to everybody. And thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. And again, guys, before we get started on any of the content for tonight, got to do our quick matters of business. You guys can find me on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. There's film breakdowns, opinion articles, pretty much anything Broncos content. You're going to find that there at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. Uh, Facebook users, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Click the blue Become a Supporter button. And guys, if you, with, with the blue Become a Supporter button, you're going to be able to get uh, exclusive content like the, the Trickle Zone on Saturday at noon. You'll have uh, Broncos Blood Club with Chad Jensen. I believe that's on Sunday afternoons. And then Kelberman's Corner on Sunday at noon as well. More shows coming for you. But guys, speaking of Facebook supporters, right now we have an ongoing, not really a competition. We have a goal for the website right now. We're trying to get to 500,000 stars on Facebook right now. So Facebook users, make sure you get your star donations in. We're about 51% complete right now. And the more uh, the more times you star, the more stars you donate to the to the show uh, and to every single show on the, the Mile High Huddle, the Huddle Up Podcast Network, you're going to be entered into uh, win a Von Miller jersey as soon as we get to 500,000 stars. Now, Chad, you want to scroll down really fast for me? Uh, here's our leaderboard, guys. This is the, the top star donators over the, the, the this since we started this giveaway. Uh, Stu McPeak, obviously Zeus out there showing some major love. Travis Weber, uh, Michael Ronquillo, who's a huge supporter of the Dove Valley Deep Divers in every single show. Howie freaking Day, uh, Andrew Lamp, Travis Tarbox. We got Sean Miller in the hizzy here. Uh, Randy Jones, Gary Leeds Palmer is always a super supporter. Andrew Baker as well. We thank you all for everything. And guys, again, the more you guys get some more stars in, Peter Middleton, obviously, uh, the more stars you get in, the more chances really you are, the more tickets you get to enter into this Von Miller giveaway. So we really appreciate all your guys' support because if it's not for you guys doing what you do best, we can't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, guys, sorry. With that, guys, let's get started in on this. Obviously, we just got done talking about it just a little bit. The Seattle Seahawks, Denver Broncos, preseason week two. Eric, let's start off with uh, what are you, what are you most expecting from this preseason game? What are you kind of looking out for, and what are the biggest keys and takeaways for you? I mean, gotta start with the quarterbacks. I expect both these quarterbacks to go out there and play pretty well. I mean, looking at the Seahawks defense, it's not the strongest unit. It's not the fearful Seahawks defense that it was a few years ago. And so both of them should go out there and they should have a good day. 
I mean, we saw what they did against mostly second strings against the Vikings. And to be honest, most of the second unit for the Seahawks is third unit. And most of their first unit is second unit type caliber players. So mm-hmm. they don't have the depth. They don't have the starter qualities. I mean, there's some good players on that defense, but overall it's a little bit lacking. So should expect them to go out there. And that should also should translate as well for the offensive line. We should see the offensive line for the first, second and third units. They should go out there and they should do very well against these Seahawks defensive linemen that outside of a couple guys in the first unit, they just lack depth from top to bottom. So expect them to go out there and do pretty well. And on the other side of it, their offensive line in Seattle for a long time has been kind of a uh, bad unit. I mean, it's a big issue for uh, Russell Wilson and him trying to uh, improve the team around him. So I want to see what this starting defensive line in the Broncos can do against that. I mean, can Draymond, is Draymond Jones going to be as advertised? That's the biggest thing for me with yeah. this defensive line. Will he be as advertised? Well, speaking of that defensive line, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't heard a uh, an update on McTelvin Aguim, who had, I believe it was a groin injury against the Minnesota Vikings. And he, he spoke about that the other day, saying how he was really disappointed. It was on Broncos Country tonight. I think that was last night's episode um, he, about how he was really disappointed he wasn't able to go because he really wanted to showcase his talents against the Vikings, who called him several times in the pre-draft pre-draft process, excuse me, um, and they, they they passed on him in the draft several times, and he wanted that opportunity to go out and say, say you know, you did me wrong. This is this is my talent. This is my ability. I'm going to kind of stick it to you. So I'm really kind of curious. Eric, have you heard anything on McTelvin and Game? Is he going to be able to suit up and play? Uh, last I heard is that he was practicing and expected to play, but I'm not sure if anything's changed with that. And I may, may have mistaken it and not actually saw what I thought I did. So I'm not entirely sure, but I thought I saw that he was going to be expected to play. I I thought I saw that as well. And from the sound of it, it did sound like he was going to be able to get out there. But as you were talking about, just the defensive line going against that hodgepodge unit that the the Seattle Seahawks have, uh, they've always failed to to really help Russell Wilson and protect him behind that offensive line. And he's made big plays off of that. We're probably not going to see Russell Wilson very much, if at all. Uh, Probably not going to see DK Metcalf probably at all or Tyler Lockett. So the skill position guys. But, I mean, they they still have Chris Carson who can still go. Um, I don't remember who their backup running back is off the top of my head but still to be able to see this Broncos unit stop the run and that's where it really kind of starts with this Broncos defensive line is we all know that they have the pass rush chops we all know that they can get after the passer they can they can um, really disrupt things up front but stopping the run with Vic Fangio's defense forcing into third and long situations where he can get that coverage unit dialed up where he can bring a little bit of extra pressure and get after the passer that to me is a big thing because the Seattle Seahawks they do they do a decent job running the football and that's kind of how they base their entire offense yeah goes through Russell Wilson but for the most part they like to establish a run and then take deep play action shots and let Russell Wilson create behind that offensive line so I'm really kind of intrigued by that yeah and I just looked it up and McTelvin Ajim he did return to practice on the 16th so he's back practicing and he should be playing this game but I mean is there's going to be a lot I mean I don't expect to see the starters play I think uh Vic Vangio said like 12 to 15 plays is what I believe he said after practice one of these weeks but Hey, 12 to 15 plays, that could be a series or two, depending on how long or the Seattle is able to hold the ball. And that's a decent amount of time to get a good look at these guys and what they're going to be able to do. And offensively, this is going to be a pretty good test for this Broncos defense because they're going to be able to challenge them in the right ways outside of the trenches, of course, the wide receivers, the quarterback play. They're going to challenge them the right ways to really see this secondary and see if they can actually um, step up and handle their own against a high quality moving the ball type offense. And mm-hmm. it's largely, again, 
that offensive line, that's going to be the key for the Broncos to really shut them down. But you can't do, you can't uh, just get pressure on Russell Wilson. You have to keep him inside the pocket and not let him mm-hmm. burn you with, uh, with his legs. Yeah. And that's, that really is the big thing is you got to stay consistent in your rushing lanes. You got to stick to your assignments and you got to really hold up at the point of attack right that way. If you're not going to be able to get home, you can't try to get fancy. You can't get spin moves. You can't try to do anything crazy. You really got to kind of spy him. Not just with a linebacker. And I know that that's something that the Broncos are probably going to take a look at with Justin Sernod if Russell Wilson does play. But uh, um, if if you're going to, if you're not going to be able to get home against Russell Wilson, you've got to maintain those rush lanes and not get it, let him get to the outside. Now, offensively for the Denver Broncos, I really am intrigued by what's going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater. It sounds like, as Eric kind of said, um, you know, 15, 20 plays, we'll see some of the starters out there. I'm not sure about Garrett Bowles. Um, Sound like he might be able to play just a little bit, but the starting offensive line for the most part uh, should be able to play at least for the majority of the time that Teddy Bridgewater is in there. He's probably going to see Jerry Judy. He's going to see KJ Hamler as well. Obviously Noah Fant's probably going to get a, a little bit more of a run than he he did with the against the Minnesota Vikings so I really am intrigued to see how that looks but a big thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing how this offensive line especially the starters open up holes for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon if Melvin Gordon does actually play Javante Williams looks really really good against the Minnesota Vikings his vision was on display that physicality that downhill running style that we saw back in North Carolina I really want to see how he does moving forward because even though Melvin Gordon has pretty much taken over the running back one role, Javante Williams has a huge opportunity with Mike Boone still out. He's going to be out until probably week two from the sound of it, four to six weeks with that, with that quad strain. So uh, to see Javante Williams go up against another fairly decent front four, they're not the best, but they have, but uh, they have a pretty decent front four. Uh, I want to see how he looks with the cutback lanes. And if he can maybe run over Bobby Wagner one time, if Bobby Wagner is going to play. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that too. <laughs> And uh, one thing that you mentioned, you mentioned Justin Sernod to kind of be that answer to Russell Wilson. I'm curious. He's finally returned to practice. I wonder if they'll look at Baron Browning. Could yeah. try, try to fill that in. Try to not necessarily throw him to the fire, but throw him out there into a kind of a pretty big role and see what he's able to do with it. And, I mean, they got to try to figure out something. He was expected to have a big role before he got hit in the leg by a teammate and ended up suffering a hairline fracture in his leg. They expect they thought that he might have been able to go last week. They just kept him out a little bit longer. So should see him this game. I'm kind of curious to see how they use him. And I did an article that should be up here shortly on MHH about Baron Browning and how to use him. And it's one thing that I'm definitely excited for. I like Baron Browning a lot. My big concern with him coming out was how he was just used doing a little bit of everything. And with him dealing with that injury, they haven't been able to focus to get him really growing in one position. So I'm still curious, how are they going to use this very versatile, very athletic football player that just doesn't have one set position to really play at in the NFL at the moment? Yeah. Uh, top center so far tonight, Travis Weber with a 150 stars. Travis, thanks, buddy. We appreciate that. Uh, good evening, guys. Royce Freeman would likely be gone if Gordon and Boone weren't banged up. And I, I actually agree with that. Uh, Royce Freeman played pretty well against the Minnesota Vikings, had a couple of really good runs, was decent in pass protection as well from what I saw. I think he had a catch out of the backfield as well, if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and take a look at that again. But uh, it's like he really is on the outside looking in. I mean, they, they let go of Levante Bellamy in the first round of cuts, which was kind of a surprise. Um, but it sounds oh. like the injury that he had, that ankle injury, was going to be a little bit longer term than they were willing to kind of hold on to him. So to go out and – I don't think they brought anybody in a a corresponding roster move, but uh, with, with back to Royce Freeman, 
Levante Bellamy was waived. Levante Bellamy was waived injured to bring in to sign Adrian Killens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the the speedy the speedy kid, the small little shifty guy, kind of played some wide receiver back in college as well. Uh, forgot about that. Thank you. Good shout. Um, but as far as Royce Freeman is concerned, um, his his opportunity really got exacerbated with the with the Boone injury because obviously Mike Boone was showing out really well in practice. It sounded like he was kind of taking over that running back two role, even over Javante Williams. But then he went down, I believe it was in the joint practices against the Minnesota Vikings. That would have been, I think, the Wednesday practice. So he went down and that opened up the door for Royce Freeman to make this roster again. And if he, <coughs> excuse me, if he can, uh, if he can start playing on some special teams, Royce Freeman could make this roster as well. Uh, Royce Freeman was one that I think mostly everybody expected to be let go. I mean, just this deep running back room. I mean, they went and added Javante Williams. They had Melvin Gordon already. And then they went out and got, and they also brought in Mike Boone. So it was kind of expected for for Royce Freeman to be gone. And now they're down, down Boone, Levante Bellamy, who was there kind of pushing for it. He's now gone. That opens the door back for Freeman. Now, I don't think it guarantees him a spot on the roster by any means. I think he's still got to go out there and compete. And I still think that he will be one that they'll probably dangle out there on the trade market, yeah. trying to get something in return for him and then just roll with somebody who somebody else because running backs are pretty easy to find, really. Well, and it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they kept, <coughs> excuse me, if they kept Royce Freeman on the roster to open up the season for the first couple of weeks, waited for Mike Boone to come back healthy and then dangled him out there on the trade market again, or maybe even just waved him out right and just, and just let him go uh, or release yeah. him, excuse me. So that, that really yeah. wouldn't surprise me with the way he's playing in the preseason so far. And to be clear, Levante Bellamy being waived injured, he cleared waivers. So he actually reverted back to the Broncos injured reserve list. Mm -hmm. So maybe next year, that'll be a shot for him. Uh, be, with the call being able to get called off of injured reserve rules, he can't be called off this year, and it doesn't even guarantee he actually sticks this year. They could come to an injury settlement and cut him in part ways, but uh, I mean, at least there's a chance that he can stick around for it because he was pretty impressive against the Vikings in that limited action. And limited action last year, he showed off uh, some pretty good uh, ability there that was very intriguing. Yeah, uh, you want to grab this really fast. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here, one of the top star donators uh, over on Facebook. Good evening, Lance and Eric. Uh, good evening, Greg Smith and Broncos country. Go Broncos, as always. Go Broncos here on the Dev Valley Deep Divers. Um, I want to kind of segue this into, speaking of the running back conversation, there's a pretty sneaky need here for the Broncos uh, moving after this season. Obviously, Royce Freeman's in the last year of his contract. Mike Boone is on a one-year deal. Melvin Gordon's in the last year of his two-year deal. They have Javante Williams on the roster going forward, and that's pretty much it. Like the Broncos have a very sneaky need moving forward at the running back position. Uh, Brian Bowman jumping in here, throwing some stars down as well on Facebook. Nothing to say, just showing some love. Brian, we appreciate you on that one. Um, Real quick, Mike Boone signed a two year deal. Oh, is he on? I, I thought it was a one year, one and a half million dollar deal. I'm sorry. Two years. Apologies for that. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here with some, with 200 stars. Gary, we appreciate you on that. Brian jumping in here again as well. Um, let's see here. About the wide receivers. Obviously, with Cortland Sutton still kind of coming back from that uh, that torn ACL, it sounds like he's being brought along relatively slowly. We saw a lot out of KJ Hamler against the Minnesota Vikings, and it wasn't just the eighty-yard pass play that they uh, that Drew Locke hit him on in the in the second quarter and really kind of opened up the scoring for the Broncos. I, actually, it was in the first quarter. Excuse me, uh, but uh, they they hit him on a. Uh, 
It was the very first pass that Drew Locke threw. I think it was actually probably his most impressive pass. I know everyone's talking about him reading the triangle on the mesh point um, at the on the mesh concept and hitting Jerry Judy for that big game. But quite honestly, the very first throw that Drew Locke made where he booted out to his right-hand side, set his feet, and hit K.J. Hamler on the crossing route, that to me showed a lot there because it's, it showed some patience and growth with Drew, but it also showed that they're trying to find some creative ways to get the ball into K.J. Hamler's hands. They also hit him on a jet sweep. I'm really excited to see what K.J. Hamler does going into, into week two this weekend. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, these receivers, I mean, they're obviously very exciting. Um, Jerry Judy had not the easiest of games against Minnesota. I mean, there was that big, tough pass breakup that he suffered for a touchdown. Then there was one a little bit later. And then KG Hamler, him showing his speed. I mean, it's very intriguing. Um, very excited to see what they're going to bring. I'm very excited to see what these other receivers are going to bring. Can mm -hmm. Kendall Hinton rebound from a yeah. the bad game he had against the Minnesota Vikings? Not sure we'll see Cortland Sutton out there as he's still working his way back from his injury, and it's they're seemingly bringing him along, him along a little slowly. So this is going to open the door for these other guys, and really this is going to be that real final push from Trinity Benson to make the roster, and I'm really hoping he manages it. Another key thing with this wide, wide receivers is that Tim Patrick has been missing some practices. Mm -hmm. So unclear if he's going to be able to play at this at this point. I'm not sure if he's being held back with injury. What Again, I haven't really followed the injury stuff super closely this last week, but uh, what's going on with Tim Patrick? With the trade rumors with him in Baltimore, uh, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, and the the trade interest with uh, with with Tim Patrick is very interesting. It's been kind of going back and forth a little bit. Obviously, with the Aaron Rodgers rumors, we're not going to get into that anymore. That's all dead history at this particular point. But if the Broncos are going to do anything with any of their receivers right now, Tim Patrick is a guy that makes the most sense to kind of move on. But also, as Lord Deer jumps in here from north of the 49th parallel up in Canada with a $7 super chat, uh, depth is key. Every team, every team has 22 starters, and it's what happens when bodies start to fall. I believe we are ready to compete finally because we are deep, and especially at the wide receiver position, as you know, Eric has just alluded to. We got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick's there as well. Tyree Cleveland, if he can get over his little case of the dropsies, you have Trinity Benson, who has been just a man on fire out there. He's an explosive little lightning rod for this offense. Had two touchdown catches against the Minnesota Vikings as well. Uh, Kendall Hinton, even though he didn't, I don't think he had a catch against the Vikings. He did have a huge block on that uh, that aforementioned mesh point throw that Drew Locke hit. Jerry Judy on when Jerry Judy bounced it to the outside Kendall Hinton came back on a flat not he didn't come back towards the line of scrimmage flat across the field and laid a big crackback block that opened up a huge hole down the, the uh, right sideline for Jerry Judy to run into it's physical little plays like that that will get you noticed especially on tape when your coaches are evaluating the final guys towards this roster if Kendall Hinton can come out and show just a little bit more as a receiver and not just really a gadget player if he can get out there and kind of have a little bit more of the uh, the KJ Hamler role where he's getting featured in the offense just a little bit and still have those big dynamic plays behind the scenes that no one's really talking about I mean, that's another wide receiver that this team could definitely have. And he is also uh, auditioning as a punt returner as well. So the more hats you wear, the more valuable you are to a team. So depth is definitely well, key. Two things with this is with Kendall Hinton is, yeah, he had that big block, but big, hit big block, but he also drew that big penalty that negated mm -hmm. one of Trinity Benson's big returns. And then 22 starters depth is key, but there's actually 25 starters because you can't forget the kicker, the punter, and the long snapper. I mean, come on now. Yeah. But I mean, depth is key. And always is every year you have to as nfl teams have to do is they have to balance out the need for depth and also turning that depth into future assets and that's kind of the issue that the broncos are having this year they seem very deep on the offensive line 
do they want to try to flip one of those guys for more assets in the draft next year? Mm-hmm. Do they want to flip Tim Patrick at their deep wide receiver position for draft picks to try to go and build, continue this depth that they have and continue building on the depth? Do they want to flip one of their corners? Like it's this big debate that they have. Yep. And with Tim Patrick and Bryce Callahan, one of the uh, things that they really have to factor out with that is that they're also unrestricted free agents. So that makes it a little bit easier than on the offensive line where most of the guys are not are that most of the guys that are worth it worth keeping around the big key pieces for depth they're under multi-year deals still but that's one thing that always has to be factored in when you look at depth of any team well and to even further that discussion just a little bit even even more um the interior of the defensive line they have shelby harris they have draymond jones mike purcell deshaun williams is playing really well mctelvin and Gein we just got talking about shamar stephan is it stephan or steven um, uh, Shamar Steven, I think is his name. Uh, the guy that the Broncos just brought in from the Minnesota Vikings as a free agent over the last week or so after he went to Minnesota and uh, he had a great game. Apparently this week he's been dominating there as well. So the Broncos have five, six, seven guys along the interior of the defensive line. And if they want to, you know, move on from maybe Draymond Jones or uh, McTelvin again, like there's, there's a potential opportunity there for the Broncos to still maintain the depth that they have with the quality players that they have currently on the roster and then be able to build that depth even going even further into the future by trading one of those guys it's a very fun conversation uh chad you want to grab those those stars that we got here really fast thanks man appreciate that brian bowman man 1200 stars we appreciate that michael jumping back in here as well uh andrew baker gary Leeds, travis weber thank you all man we really appreciate that that's going to get you guys a long ways into the uh into the drawing for that von miller jersey here in just a few weeks when we eclipse the uh the 500,000 stars mark um now, Eric, I want to specifically break this down, and I know that we've tried to avoid the quarterback conversation um, for a while now, just because it's been really kind of toxic. No success. It, it, yeah, but it's 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 really not gone very well for us. But obviously, we saw Drew Locke last week: five seven, one hundred fifty one yards, two touchdowns, including that eighty yard bomb to KJ Hamler, which was a pretty decent throw, quite honestly. I mean, he put it out there and let KJ go make a play. Um, but now we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater, who also had a really good game. It was like seven for eight, 78 yards or something like that. He also had a touchdown pass to Trinity Benson. He's going to get the, the run with the ones. Uh, you have an article up on milehighhuddle.com. What are the three things that he really needs to focus on if he wants to steal his job back away from Drew Locke, who is seemingly starting to kind of run away with it from the sound of it? Well, I don't really want to spoil the article. If you guys want to go check that out, it's talking about what Ted Br- Teddy Bridgewater has to do against the Seattle Seahawks to really get back in this race. And really, I mean, it's not entirely in his control. He needs a lot of help to get back into it. And against the Seahawks defense, I'm just not sure if that happens. So I'm fully prepared that sometime next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that we hear Drew Locke being named the starter. Mm-hmm. It, I. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, if and you and I have maintained on Dove Valley Deep Divers and even on our Twitter accounts and, and pretty much every article that we've written about we've written about the quarterback conversation, the best thing that could potentially happen for the Broncos is Drew Locke turning into that franchise quarterback. So why not give him every single opportunity to be able to do so? And if Teddy's not going to actually win the job, if Drew's going to take it away, which it sounds like he's doing, that's the best thing for the Broncos. Now we just have to see the consistency. 
Drew Locke had a huge game, had obviously the huge long touchdown pass, looked really good in his decision-making. His footwork was majorly improved from what I saw. I mean, if he's going to turn into that franchise quarterback, that is the best thing that could potentially happen for the Broncos. They still have another year of him under cost control. They can go and continue to build this roster around him, give him another year to really develop and, and turn into that franchise quarterback. We just have to see it consistently because he's always had those big flashes. I've said it multiple times here. He flashes like the beacon at the highest of the t- at the highest point of the tallest tower in new york city one big bright flash and then it's dark and then one big bright flash and then it's dark if he can flash more like that street light at, at three o'clock in the morning and just flash 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 and then maybe the light just turns on all the time that would be the best thing for the broncos like quite honestly there's no debating that yep now i'm gonna grab some comments from the chat here uh andrew baker says just showing some dvd some love enjoying the evening swimming and grilling with the fam hey man enjoy your night man i wish i could be out swimming it's been really hot especially in my office um let's see there was another one i wanted to grab it was uh i got from one Travis over here he uh, he's asking who do you feel is better for slot receiver kj hamler or jerry judy my answer here is kj hamler simply because you can get some out of jerry judy outside on the boundary but i mean really ideally you're wanting both of them in the slot just because of what they can do and uh, the type of matchups that you're going to be able to generate with them. So it's kind of a kind of a bummer that if you're only running with a three wide receiver set, then one of these guys is going to be on the boundary. But it's really good news if you're running four receiver sets, which, hey, that's one good reason to keep Tim Patrick around. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go in two different directions here. And, and you just said the name that I was going to go with. What happens with Tim Patrick? If Tim Patrick is still available, I do value big body receivers that have high catch points and stuff like that. I, I get it. You know, you want to have some guys that can create some separation. And Cortland Sutton, for what he is, he does create a lot of separation. He really is more of a big body go and get it 50-50 kind of guy, box out, possession receiver. Tim Patrick, much in the same mold. If you're going to have t- uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick on the field at the same time, I would much rather have Jerry Judy out there because I think that with his route running, the, the ability to create separation – and then use that athleticism and the explosiveness that he has in and out of his breaks to create yards after the catch, Jerry Judy at that particular point would create a better value for me. Now, if Tim Patrick is injured, he's not on the field, or the Broncos potentially ship him off and and get a pick in return for him, Obviously, I want KJ Hamler in the slot there because, again, you have that explosiveness. And you, but you have to really design the open space for him. He's a good route runner, but he doesn't create a whole lot of separation without using his speed. And that's the big thing. If you're going to have KJ Hamler in the slot, you want him kind of like a, what I was alluding to on that that rollout play that Drew Lock hit him. It was like a 25 yard game where he exploded up the field. KJ Hamler ran that that deep crossing route, that 15 yard crossing route. And there was no one around him because he just outran everybody. Jerry Judy can create separation in a, in a match, in a match box. Like you, like that's what he is able to do. He has a, a big enough body. He has a little bit of physicality to be able to box out. KJ Hamler doesn't have that. So if you have Tim Patrick on the field, I want Jerry Judy. If you don't obviously give me, uh, give me uh, KJ Hamler because I want Jerry Judy lining up on the outside. And then Michael Ronquillo, let's give him, he asks, which Broncos players will have a breakout season with the Broncos in the 2021 NFL season? Let's each give him one lance. You can go first. Uh, 
obviously I just got done talking about him, Jerry Judy. I think that he has the potential to be a top five wide receiver in the NFL this season, quite honestly. And it, it doesn't matter who's playing the quarterback position. Um, if it's Teddy Bridgewater, look for him to catch a lot of slants and stuff like that. If it's Drew Locke, look for him to work the middle of the field and use that separation and get him in some run after the catch of the, uh, situations. And that's really the biggest key to him. If you can get him to uh, in some open space and get him, the, get him the ball into his hands in open space and let him go to work after the catch, Jerry Judy is going to be a, a 13, 1400 yard receiver this year. Like that, that's, that's my bold prediction for the season, man. I'm glad you didn't take my guy. Cause then I would have to reach to the computer and slap you. But uh, Draymond Jones on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, man, I'm expecting big things for him. And he was a guy that I liked coming out of college. I was a little shocked he was there in the third round and we've just seen continuous growth and flashes out of him. I mean, I really wouldn't be shocked if we get 10 sacks out of him this year. If Bradley Chubb and Von Miller can both stay healthy, Shelby Harris, they're in town like, this defensive line, the, these edge rushers, they're going to take a lot of attention. And Draymond Jones, so far, he's been feasting in practice. I'd expect that to carry over. I'm expecting big things. Andrew Eastman came in and says, Eric, looking like time for a haircut. Hashtag salt and pepper. I still got about a <laughs> month. Ago. I only cut my hair twice a year, every six months. I still got about a month. <laughs> looking like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo over here, buddy. I'm telling you, man. You, you got the, you got a little beard stubble coming on. The the, the hair is starting to, co- to come around a little bit. Like, seriously, I, I, I'm digging the look. We got a lot. I'll cut, I'll cut it just before the trip. I'll cut it just before the trip to this, in September for the meet and greet at the before the Jets game. Oh, speaking of that, before we get to these stars really fast, guys, quick reminder, September 26th for the uh, the week three game against the New York Jets. It's the Denver Broncos home opener. The Mile High Huddle community and Mile High Huddle staff members are doing a meet and greet uh, is I think that's in the South tailgate area uh, for everybody to come. We're going to do a quick tailgate, check out the game and whatnot uh, meet and greet for everybody. That's going to be there. Obviously me and Eric are going to be there. Chad and Zach are going to be there. Um, Mike Evans, Kenny Booker, um, Luke Patterson is going to be there. A bunch of the staff is going to be there. Make sure you guys come and check that out. There's going to be some more information. Make sure you guys stay tuned into the Huddle Up podcast uh, here, especially over the next month or so, where Chad is going to be dropping some more finite details as far as times, where to actually link up and stuff like that. Uh, really looking forward to that. I've already got the plans and stuff. I'm going to pick up Eric from the uh, from the airport on Saturday and uh, probably go catch a drink down at the DNBR bar and whatnot. So link up with us and, and we'll go have a good time. Back to the star leaderboard here. Obviously, Brian's still on top today, but we've got Butch Butch jumping in here. Uh, James Grossman as well. Andrew Baker. Butch Butch with nothing to say, just showing some love, and we appreciate you, big dog. Um, and then our guy out there in Cambodia, Peter Middleton. He's not showing anything on this particular comment, but he is always out here showing some stars, showing some love, and shouting out where the people are showing some stars so we can go and find those comments and stuff like that. Uh, James Grossman, uh, love seeing the undrafted guys excel as well, and we definitely appreciate that. And, yeah, I, I really do enjoy seeing these undrafted guys excel. Um, I I, I kind of want to see some more out of Drew Himmelman. I was pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty impressed with the way that he moves for a guy that his that is his size. Man, I'm all aboard the train of Quinn Bailey or Drew Himmelman just pushing Cameron Fleming off the roster. Yeah. Like, it was – it, it was so frustrating as a guy who my main focus in scouting and everything is always the trenches. It's always where I gravitate to. I mean, even before we went live, Lance and I were watching a quarterback for UCLA and I just kept going to the offensive line. It's where I gravitate to and watching the Broncos Vikings game. I just kept going to Cameron Fleming and it was never for a good thing. I it's, he might likely makes it cause he's a veteran presence. And for the fourth offensive tackle spot, you kind of want that. But, I mean, I would rather roll with Quinn Bailey or Drew Himmelman, who both offer more upside than Cameron 
Fleming and just it was it was bad to watch. It was hard. Yeah, Cam Fleming, it sounds like he's really on the outside looking in, especially with the progress that Calvin Anderson has made. He played on the left side there for a little bit, um, played on the right side as well against the Minnesota Vikings. But it really does sound like he is locked in as the swing tackle for the Broncos. Um, it sounds like Bobby Massey's kind of taken away that that starting role, but it's not a dead competition yet. I mean, Calvin Anderson still has an opportunity to go out there and and win himself a, a, at least a sizable role as a rotational offensive lineman, maybe a guy that can uh, keep some guys fresh throughout the season and stuff like that. And with the way that the Broncos are really using uh, this this training camp as far as situational football goes, as far as keeping their guys healthy, they're not doing a lot of physical practices and stuff like that, um, as far as veteran rest days and stuff like that, with Calvin Anderson being able to wear multiple hats and being and having a big valuable presence along that offensive line, being able to play both sides. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't take Garrett Bowles off of the field, but if there's if there's an opportunity to get Bobby Massey out, keep him fresh for the if the Broncos do have a, a postseason run towards the later end of the season. Like if you can get Calvin Anderson out there and he's going to hold his own like he did against the Carolina Panthers in Week 15 of last season, that's a really big thing for this for this Denver Broncos offensive line. Yeah, and. Um with this is we had somebody ask earlier well earlier right when we started about the right tackle position and you hit it it's really seems to be that it's bobby massey then a decent gap in calvin anderson and then a huge gap probably the size of alaska sitting there between calvin anderson and cameron fleming i mean it's just it's just bad i mean cameron fleming he was brought into i'm not trying to dog on him he was brought in to compete he got hurt and that really put him back and kept him from being able to compete right away and Bobby Massey and Calvin Anderson, they've come out, they've performed, they've looked good, and they just they just, they just ran away with it. Yeah, and Cameron Fleming is is really kind of an interesting project here because he does have incredible athletic upside. Like if he could ever find out, like like refine his technique and figure out his footwork and his hand placement even better, he has the athleticism to become a top flight tackle in this league. Like he really does. It's just it's unfortunate to. Uh, to see him not be able to refine that technique, even under Mike Munchak. But at the same time, again, going back to Calvin Anderson, being able to, you know, take that time with Mike Munchak, take that time with Garrett Bowles, who he lived with there over the summer last season and really worked hard and, uh, and really refined that technique that he had coming as an undrafted free agent out of Texas a couple of years ago. Like this, this kid is actually starting to develop into a, a highly serviceable player and the Broncos are very lucky to have him. Uh, Andrew Lamb jumping in here. Uh, he's working and we'll watch later. Thank you for all your hard work. Hey, we appreciate you for your hard work as well. It's unfortunate you can't join us live tonight, but we appreciate the sentiment there. Uh, dropping in with a massive star donation, man. 1,234 stars. We appreciate that, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Even though you're not going to be able to do it right now, you'll catch us here in just a little bit. So, uh, man, thank you for that. We really appreciate that. And uh, there's one comment, one comment I want to grab real quick. From Dale Hendricks says, looking forward to meeting everyone in person, Eric. Glad you're making the road trip on the road for me too, coming from Palm Springs. Wow. And yeah, I mean, this was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up. Being able to meet, I mean, I haven't met any of the MHH staff in person and being able to meet that and then be able to meet a lot of you guys who have been awesome and supported us for years, like, was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So I'm super excited for it and a little anxious. I mean, I don't do uh, very well in big crowds, but uh, Lance will keep me in check. Lance will uh, help me overcome my. uh, my anxiety issues it's, it's it's all right I, i'm kind of a social butterfly at times but there's also times where i'm like a hole up in my shell and, and stay away but no uh as michael ronquillo and as dale just really exemplified being coming up from palm springs broncos country is the hashtag state of being it's not a geographical location it is a state of being uh got another comment here and obviously we have uh peter middleton jumping in here so true nice stars 
we, th- we thank you for that. And, and um, to- Mark Lindemood, uh, he's coming in here from Savannah, Georgia as well. So, but, I mean, uh, obviously Malcolm Brown up there in Homer, Alaska. I haven't seen him in a while. Malcolm, you still out there? He was in uh can he was in here last week. He was in Kansas with his mm. grandkids and everything. But uh we've got cleats here. Speaking of hashtag state of being being a state of mind and not a geographical Broncos country being a state of mind, not a geographical location. We've got cleats here coming in from Abu Dhabi, and he's gonna be watching at 6 a.m. Hey man, we appreciate you joining us, man. Like that that's awesome. It's always awesome to see people from all over the world jumping in and joining us to talk Broncos and uh Michael Ronquillo, great show tonight, Lance and Eric. Hey, we appreciate that. I love talking Broncos football with Broncos country. Go Broncos. And I think we, I think Lance and I can share that, even though we don't always agree with what's being said with you in the chat. And sometimes Lance, especially, can get a little heated. <laughs> we still enjoy talking about it. We love talking football. And it's just something that we are very, very passionate about. It, it's fun. It really is to be able to to have a conversation. And I'm, I wish we could have this conversation face to face with a lot of you. And it sounds we're obviously going to be able to have that that opportunity here in, in the next month or so. Uh, but to just be able to sit down, escape from reality for a little bit, escape from your work life, escape from anything else you have going on and to sit down, talk some football and, and to have fun. It, that's that's the best thing. That's the biggest thing. I mean, it's it's great. You guys show just massive amounts of support in multiple different ways, whether it's through donations or just hitting me up on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you guys get the opportunity to, you know, shout out and say, hey, thank you for the work that you do. You guys don't understand how much that means to us. Like I, I say it every single week. You guys don't understand. Like we couldn't do this without you guys, without you guys in the audience, without you guys coming, checking out our content. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Broncos. So we really do appreciate every single one of you guys. I I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, right. definitely. I mean, you guys are able to me to do this full time, which is something that I never imagined that I'd be able to do. Yeah. But anyways, we had a question here about from Joe Turner. Saying Chris Jones has moved to defensive end. Who wins him or Bulls? It's going to be an interesting battle. Um, from what I understand, is that he's not going to be like a true like seven tech type tight end or defensive end like Bradley Chubb and Bob Miller. It's going to be more of a four um, four eye five technique type, which is kind of what the Broncos use. More compact on the defensive line in Steve Spagnuolo's four three defense. So it's still going to be a combination of him going against Garrett Bulls and him going against Salton Reisner. But it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup to keep an eye on, no matter who Chris Jones ends up playing. Dude's a freaking monster, and Denver took Paxson Lynch over him. He's yeah, yeah, man. Why did you have to remind me? Why I, I, I have to? It's my job. All right, so I was I was much aligned with Nick on this. I wanted I wanted Chris Jones in the first round, and then Dak Prescott in the second round, and we got Paxton Lynch. And who else? Was, was that Ty Sambrello? I think that was Ty Sambrello. Fairly certain it was Ty Sambrello. In the second round, I, I can't remember 100%. But regardless, Chris Jones and Dak Prescott turned out like I'll, I will say the evaluation on those guys turned into more, uh, quite honestly, more than what I thought they were going to be. But Chris Jones and Dak Prescott, those were my guys in that uh, was 2016 NFL draft. So, <sighs> dang Adam it. Adam Gottes. Oh, it was Adam Gottes. There you go. Yep, you're right. Uh, Travis Weber jumping in here on Facebook. Fan for 34 years since I was 10 years old. Uh, need to get to a game. Hashtag bucket list goal. Travis, where are you at, man? Uh, it, it's expensive to be able to go. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not trying to shy away from that. Where are you at? Come meet us on. Come meet us September 26th. We'll we'll uh, we'll go check out a game, and uh, it might not be able to go to the game, but we'll go at least enjoy the atmosphere because the atmosphere, even outside of the stadium, is always pumped. It's always hype. It's always a lot of fun. You go check out. The, they've got games and stuff on the outside. There's people wearing 
all kinds of gear. There's games and stuff to play. You can go, I mean, walk up to a tailgate, crack a beer and hang out with everybody. Travis, come on up and meet us on September 26th. We'd appreciate you if you, if you joined us, man. Uh, you're out in Utah, he says, out in Utah. But hey, Chad's out in Utah. Uh, or at least somewhere out in that way. So he should be able to, uh, he should, I mean, you'd be able to make it out, out this way. Uh, base Gage jumping in here uh, with a $5 super chat. Assuming Lop is our week one starter, uh, how short is his leash? And thoughts on the field's epilepsy report. Uh, Eric, what do you think on that? I mean, I think that if you're rolling with Drew Locke as your starter, I think that you just got to let him have the season. Sink or swim, I don't think that it's, and part of this is selfish reasons. If he if he sw- if he sinks and you got to pull him, just let him ride it out. Aim for a better draft pick. Like that selfish reason, get a better draft pick so you can go and get that quarterback. But I mean, I, I think that the coaching staff coaching for their jobs. I think that his sh- his leash will be pretty short, especially with Teddy Bridgewater doing well in the games. And thoughts on the Fields epilepsy report? I mean, there are there was a study done that shows that it's can possibly trigger more often at higher altitude. But I mean, all the the one study that I read that was done on it said that it wasn't even enough evidence to firmly stand by that um, and say that it was 100% the case. So, I mean, it, it's, it does, it's pointless to talk about. I mean, Justin Fields, he's with the Chicago bears, the Broncos passed on him for Patrick Sertan who they had graded higher. So, I mean, Justin Fields, he's in the rear view mirror. Hopefully it doesn't bite Denver in the butt, but other than that rear view mirror, we're moving on. Well, I mean, that, we're moving on from Justin Fields, Lance. I was just going to say, especially after watching Pastor Tan had 11 coverage snaps two, uh, th- I think he was targeted three times, had two, uh, two pass breakups and an interception re- return for a touchdown. If you're not going to get excited about that and move forward and don't get me wrong, I still have my feelings about the whole Justin Fields conversation. That is what it is. But the Broncos have Pat Sertan, and that's what we're going to be focused on moving forward. Like, and we're going to focus on him, and hopefully, he turns out to be a, a Champ Bailey or a Deion Sanders type of quarterback, top three, top four quarterback in NFL history. So, I mean, if if that's what we're where we're going to go, that's that's where we're going to go. Like, I don't, yeah. Let's move move away from the uh, the Justin Fields stuff, guys. Sorry, uh, Andrew Baker. We uh, we. <laughs> We love y'all. Screw the main media. You guys keep uh, keep giving a, a deep dive into what's actually happening. Click click the likes, gang, for our Broncos analysis. Andrew, we appreciate that, man. I mean, we, we do try to you know go into different directions with our analysis. We we do get some news every now and again, but for the most part, we stay we try to stay away from the the news topics and give you. Um, in-depth analysis on multiple different Broncos topics. Sometimes even just NFL topics, draft topics, and stuff like that. We don't really focus on the main news stuff because we've got the huddle up podcast. We've got building the Broncos. We've got mile high insiders. Everybody else has their own kind of niche. Um, so for us, it's the deep dive analysis and not really hot takes, but our own creative takes that we like to present to you guys every single week. Our angry takes. There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, Butch came in with four stars. We appreciate that much, much man. You are absolutely killing it tonight, man. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Just so yeah. awesome. We appreciate you, big dog. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here with a question. Uh, if Locke plays well, then he'll start game one as a quarterback. What happens, though, if he plays badly? Will it come down to the third preseason game, or will management have to choose soon? This is actually an interesting conversation because for Teddy Bridgewater to get back into it, he needs Drew Locke to have a bad game. Otherwise, I think that it's Drew Locke's. It's too close with Drew Locke having a lead. Like It's too close to carry it over. You want to give some time and a preseason game with one guy being in the starter. So it's going to be very tough. 
um this is like a nightmare situation with this game is teddy bridgewater goes out there does well not outstanding just does well and drew lock has a rough game like it's 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 hard to determine what to what you do from there because you don't want to go into your third preseason game and still not know for sure who your starting quarterback's going to be. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that one. And while it's not quite as bad as you know running this this competition with the fourth preseason game where you now have to focus on getting the lower level roster guys ready to go and uh, and focusing on on that kind of dynamic with the third preseason game, you want it to be that dress rehearsal game. And it sounds like Vic Fangio is going to kind of do that from the sound of it. They're going to go out, establish who they want as the, as the starting quarterback and then get them prepared for that week three preseason game against the Rams and then give them a full three week run up to the beginning of the season where they can develop timing. Everyone can get behind the starting quarterback and then move into the regular season that way. But if you absolutely had to go into the third week of the preseason to determine this quarterback competition, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't necessarily want that to happen. I really don't. I want this to be done Monday, Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday next week. Vic Fangio comes out in a press conference and they say, well, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is our starting quarterback. That's the direction we're going to go into. And everybody just gets to focus on that because you now have that extra third week of the of the offseason between the third preseason game and then week one to really build that continuity. So that's the way that I want to go. And quite honestly, if Drew Locke plays badly and we do have to go into that, th- that third preseason game I kind of think that favors Teddy a little bit if, if if Drew goes out and plays well with the second string I think they announce him as a starter on Tuesday or Wednesday I really do but if Drew Locke plays bad Teddy Bridgewater plays pretty well we go into that third preseason game that shows again the inconsistency from week one to week two from Drew Locke and if Teddy plays well in week one and then plays well again in week two that favors Teddy Bridgewater in my opinion yeah, we had a super chat here from In the Shop Willie. Thank you, Willie. In the Shop Willie. We appreciate that. He just said, just wanted to say I love you, fellas, but also Clydesdale Rooster Padlock. Not sure what the, the emojis mean on that one. Um, chicken? Is that a chicken? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a chicken. Rooster, whatever, whatever that might. Man, put the emojis. I, I do appreciate that, though. That was the, whoever, whoever came up with that uh, over a year ago, like that, that was a very creative and very fun emoji. And I, I definitely appreciate that. That is right in line with my sense of dad humor and um, dirty humor as well. So appreciate that, Willie. Uh, and also, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Peter Middleton dropping in some more stars. Dude. Thank you, guys. A massive, massive show out on Facebook with the Stars tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, Chad, I'm going to grab that really fast and add that to the stream. Um, where are we at here? Oh, he's moving around. Sorry about that. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in. Good night, Lance, Eric, Greg Smith, and Broncos country. Uh, go Broncos. Hey, Michael, thank you for joining us again, man. Can't wait to get back with you on uh, – on Twitter here in just, just a little bit. Uh, Butch Butch, again, showing out huge. Andrew Lampe, I think is that's the, Andrew Lampe. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Chad kind of corrected me in the back there. Uh, Michael, obviously, Peter Middleton, uh, Brian Bowman. You guys just amazing, amazing support tonight. James Grossman, Andrew Baker, Gary Leeds Palmer, Travis Weber. Thank you all. I mean, this is amazing. Ben jumping in here on uh, on Super Chat with the $5 donation. Has uh, Patrick Sertan exceeded your pre-draft views? Is he still better than a Caleb Farley with no injury concerns? This is a fun question. Eric, go ahead. Okay, I, did, I didn't think that he was better with, than Caleb Farley. Um, my evaluation on Patrick Sertan had one big flaw with it. And it's one thing that I'm eating crow already. I'll happily accept it. It was something that I shouldn't have. I... He's tightened the hips. I mean, you can watch it. You can see it. There is some clunkiness to his movement. However, 
I overvalued that and undervalued his intelligence, his not 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 necessarily intelligence, his instincts and his footwork and how that he uses that to overcome the clunkiness with his movement. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I still like the player. I didn't love him. He wasn't a top ten player on my board. Um, was somewhere in like the late first or early second round for me because of the the tightness in his hips. I felt that he was very scheme limited and not going to work in Vic Fangio's scheme. And with how they're using him, they've made him work. I mean, when they drafted him, they fought out and said that we're drafting him because we have an idea of how we want to use him. And so far, it's worked so well. I mean, there's been a couple of times Jerry Judy has caught him up because of the stiffness in his hips. But I mean, it's other times he's just hanging right there with him. So, I mean, I get to answer your first part of your question is, yeah, he's far exceeded my pre-draft views on him because of my miscalculation in my evaluation. I'm right there with you. And I, I put this out after the, the interception and you did as well. Yeah, it's time for my crow. I'll eat it. PS2. Um, I put I retweeted that tweet and said I had him as a bad scheme fit. Um, I didn't like the hip flexibility. I, I didn't think that he was going to work in an off zone coverage kind of a scheme. I thought he was more suited to a press man coverage because of his length and physicality. But something that I also didn't necessarily see on tape when he was playing in off zone was his ability to put his foot in the ground and get north and south in a hurry. That first step explosiveness that he has when he does actually click and close on the football, the close is the big thing because the click where he gets his, his hips around and then puts his foot down is not great. It's still not great even at this level. But he had a pass breakup. And even on the interception return against the Minnesota Vikings, the, the, his first pass breakup, that wide receiver created – I think it was like three yards worth of separation and Sertan closed it in half a blink. Like he was back on him, like stink on, you know what, like white on rice. It was amazing to see him drive back on the football and come back and get it. Um, as far as my then- draft evaluation, I, I had him as cornerback one, but there was a caveat because I didn't have his, I didn't have him as cornerback one for the Broncos. I had him, I had him as cornerback three behind Farley and Greg Newsom. So I mean, if, if you if you want to pick semantics, yeah, I mean, I had Farley ranked above him for the Broncos, but I had Pat Sertan as the number one quarterback in the draft if you didn't value that scheme fit. I mean, he was, he was my number 26 overall player. But, I mean, you were talking about how the separation and everything like that for the pass breakup, I mean, th- it's not dissimilar from his play where he got the interception. Mm-hmm. He just read the quarterback like a book who stared down the receiver and realized that this was the same play they challenged him on earlier. And just got there in time this time. I mean, it was just, it was a great play by him. And uh, just uh, having this somebody and having this right role for him. I really believe that he's going to be this guy that Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Kels, he's going to be kind of the answer to them. So it's this right role. And Peter Milton says, you just didn't know he would play this position. You may have been right for a traditional cornerback. Um, possibly. I mean, the thing is, is that for me anyways, is that I still overvalued one negative aspect and not balance it out with the things that he did well. And that is a mistake on my part that I will take and grow and learn from just as I do every single year. Every time I overvalue or undervalue a position, I take that and I learn from it. I overvalued just the raw tools of a quarterback mm-hmm. with Pax and Lynch to undervaluing it with Josh Allen. So th- it's got a lot of back and forth here to where I kind of think I'm in the right spot with it. We'll see. I mean, eventually we'll come come to find out. And in a few years, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, there'll be good tests for that. But I mean, it's always, I mean, scouting, it's not an exact science. It's always, always growing and moving on and um, changing things on how you uh, valued certain aspects and things like that. So 
with Patrick Stan, mine was just I just overvalued one aspect, undervalued another. So Andrew another Baker question. came in and said, so what's Lance and Eric's predictions for who wins quarterback and what's our record? Uh, I want to elaborate on that last point you had really fast before I jump into this. Another thing that we don't know, I mean, we watch a lot of tape. We watch a lot of film. We study these guys a lot extensively, but we don't know their work ethic. We don't know their their personalities and what they're going to do after the fact that they're drafted. We can put a draft grade on it based on what we see. They're testing their measurables and stuff like that. We don't know what's going to happen when they get coached up by certain players. We can say it's a bad scheme fit. We can say that, you know, he has all the raw tools, but it's going to take him a while to get there. In Josh Allen's case, he had all the raw tools tools and all the physical talents but he didn't have it between his head and he just didn't have the refinement it took him three years to finally get there with pastor tan it's a, it's a different kind of a deal he has all the tools and the mindset and the physicality and everything to go with it so it's it's a it's a re- very weird science it's not an art it's more of a science to anything so kind of take that just a little bit into the conversation as well so yeah. before you before you hammer somebody on having a bad draft evaluation or, or something like or even a good draft evaluation because sometimes people just get lucky now, to Andrew Baker's – go ahead. I'll have my misses. And, I yep. mean, as you said, I mean, injuries are a big thing. We can't predict injuries. Yep. Um, in the case of Paxton Lynch, here's the funny – here's one of my my favorite stories about this is Paxton Lynch, leading up to the draft, was praised for his work ethic. He was a guy that he was going to come in, nose to the grinder, and just work super hard. And yeah, he gets into the NFL and he's can't win the starting job. So he's got to go play Madden all the time because that's where he can actually be a starter. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rough. I mean, if anybody, I mean, even NFL teams, and this is one thing that always drives me nuts is people always find out, well, NFL team, this NFL teams, NFL coaches, NFL general managers, they're not always right. They make plenty of mistakes. I mean, we see it time and time again. I mean, there was a team that decided to draft Todd Gurley super early and running back in a time where running backs were really losing their value. We saw a team that passed up on who traded up one spot to draft a quarterback over two quarterbacks that the majority of people had rated higher. Now that team, they obviously had it differently on their board and everything, but they all the NFL teams make mistakes. And there's so much here that uh, without meeting these players, without talking to them, like we just can't judge. Anyways, yeah, and- on to the question. So, uh, Andrew Baker jumping in here. What's uh, the, if, the predictions for who wins the quarterback job and what's our record? Um, it, it's so weird because with Drew Locke, and I mean, obviously you guys know how I feel about Drew, but at the same time, um, I think that if he does hit that high end of his variable and stays more on the floor side of where Teddy Bridgewater is at. So Teddy Bridgewater is just kind of steady Teddy and he takes what's going to give to him, but he doesn't have a lot of the high variance plays where, I mean, he'll throw some interceptions and stuff like that, but it, it like, he just kind of is that riding the flat wave. Drew is up and down and up and down. If he can maintain that level of consistency that Teddy Bridgewater has with the high splash plays and he wins the job, the Broncos could win 10, 11 games easy. I think if if Teddy Bridgewater wins a game, you're looking at a maybe eight win team, just because I don't think that he has the ability to really guide this team, especially offensively, and go put enough points on the board. And they're going to really rely on the defense. And there, I mean, there's some value to that. If Teddy Bridgewater is not turning the football over and the Broncos have a good running game, this defense can win them eight or nine games. But they're not going to win in that extra game that you would get on an elite performance on somebody like a Drew Locke. So take that for what's worth. For me, I, I, barring a complete failure on his end against Seattle, I'm confident saying Drew Locke's going to be named the starting quarterback. Yeah. As for a prediction for our record, I guess I predict that Denver will have somewhere between zero and 17 wins. 
Uh, yes, Bronco Jetta, you do hear kids. That's my son, Kaven, in the background screaming his head off. He uh, turned one about a month ago. So, And right now he is extremely upset for some reason. I, so I do apologize for that, that you guys can hear him. Uh, again, apologies for that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, <clears throat> Michael Ronquillo jumps in and says that uh, Pastor Tan is a George Payton guy. He knows his dad, and yes, he does. Uh, when Rick Spielman and George Payton spent their time down in Miami before they were with the Minnesota Vikings, they had Patrick Sertan Sr. down there who was playing really high-quality football, so that's actually a pretty astute point. Um, let's see here. We might need to well, get out here, of here. Here's a question on. for you. This was something that our wonderful, not-so-great personality, Nick Kendall, threw out there on it. Uh, and I'm just totally busting Nick. He's not here to defend himself. I absolutely Nick's awesome. Um, playing both quarterbacks. Teddy between the 20s, Drew Locke, like, basically from 25, 30-yard line to the end zone. What's your thoughts on that? I just, I can't, I, I quite honestly can't put myself into that kind of thinking. Um, I understand where, like where somebody's going to come from because you have the high end explosiveness, but to me, if you're going to have a, an offensive system and <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, and have any kind of offensive continuity, which is something that we've really been, you know, hammered on as an excuse for Drew Locke's poor performance, um, as far as, you know, not having continuity with the system, not having the offseason, stuff like that. If you're going to, you know, that now turn it into a, a uh, what is it, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow situation down in Florida where you give Tim Tebow the ball inside the inside the red zone and just watch him go run for scores or even, you know, uh, to go even further with that with Drew Locke, to have that ability of him to force the tight window throws and stuff like that, you're, you're taking away from the growth that you want to see from Drew Locke anyways. You're taking away from the continuity that you wanted to see with Drew Locke anyways. To me, that doesn't make any sense. If you want to build a franchise quarterback from the ground up, you have to have the efficiency and the continuity and show let him show the ability to drive the length of the field when he has to and not just put him into situations where he can succeed uh, based on his arm strength and talent that way. I, 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 can't, I can't put myself in that situation. In one aspect, it makes total sense. Yeah. You're playing both quarterbacks to their where they're the strongest at, where their abilities are – the best for the offense and i mean obviously you'd have some changes if like final five minutes depending on score you could throw in drew lock like the guy who can push the ball a little bit more there's obviously different variables in this as well just the majority of it but is you hit the nail on the head is that continuity both these quarterbacks they thrive on rhythm they thrive on getting into that rhythm and continue executing on that and, I mean, the whole offense, I mean, just such a change to it. We've heard the offensive linemen, we've heard the receivers talk multiple times about the differences between these two. Teddy Bridgewater likes his routes run a certain way from compared to Drew Locke. Drew Locke likes his run a different way than Teddy Bridgewater. Well, you're doing this, that's putting a lot more strain on your wide receivers, which is going to affect their game, affect their headspace, which also translates to affecting their game more. I get it. And I get where Nick is coming from. I mean, this is a coaching staff that is um, coaching for their job. So playing these guys to the best of their abilities, that it, it's it's genius. Super unconventional. And in a way, it makes it hard for defenses to really prepare fully for what you can do on offense. But it's also detracting from what you need to do with these quarterbacks. So it, it's, it's a tough one. It's one I'm not going with. And it's the same thing with rotating offensive linemen. Yep. 
I get anytime I see somebody mention rotating offensive linemen, I just get visibly angry because you continuity on the offensive line is even more important than anywhere else because mm-hmm. it doesn't just affect you; it affects the two guys next to you or the yeah. one guy next to you, depending on where you're on the line. Because every every offensive lineman plays a little bit differently, and you have to have that right feel with them and the communication. So you got to have that. You can't rotating offensive linemen. When the Broncos did that a few years ago, drove me bonkers. So it, and it doesn't even come down to the the verbal communication. I mean, there's there's a trust factor that comes into it, especially yeah. on the offensive line. I mean, uh, listen uh, listen to any offensive lineman that is on the radio stage. And I mean, I listen to one hundred four three the fan. They have the hard te- their hot takes and stuff like that. But you can glean a lot of very insightful information from some of the guys that are on there. Brandon Stokely uh, from Tyler Columbus. Uh, Orlando Franklin, especially Mark Schlereth, those guys will talk about continuity, especially the offensive linemen, on the nonverbal communication that that occurs, the trust that you're going to be able to do your job, I'm going to be able to do my job, we're going to figure this out without even actually saying a word to each other. It goes back to the to the quarterback conversation here as well. Whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, who has a different cadence, how he you know sets up at the line of scrimmage, identifies a Mike linebacker, just the his voice and tone and inflection on his snap count is different than Drew Locks. The way that Drew likes to force tight window throws and the way that Teddy Bridgewater likes to throw with anticipation, that affects everything around you. And not only that, especially going back to your offensive line, the synergy between the quarterback to the offensive lineman post-snap. Like Teddy Bridgewater is more, he doesn't, I mean, he scrambles around a little bit, but he's not a guy that's just going to extend plays with his legs. He's going to get the ball out quick. Drew Locke is a guy that if that's not there on his first or second read, he's outside the box. He's out running around trying to extend and create plays with his legs. That puts a strain on offensive linemen because they don't know where their quarterback's going to be in the pocket. Like they, they don't know if he's going to stand stand tall in the pocket and deliver the throw on time, or if he's going to try to run out from underneath you and and create this this running lane throw on the line. Like there's a lot of different variables that go into that. You have to have some kind of continuity with your starting quarterback, and it goes to every facet of the offense, especially in play calling as well. I mean, there's so many things that I hate. I hate dual quarterback threats. I really do. They're so awful. The, the switching quarterback rotation, it's the worst thing this team could do. It really okay. is the worst thing, thing this team could do. <laughs> you, you had me concerned with your wording there because you said dual threat quarterbacks. No, no, and no. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's the modern NFL. That's right, what you no, no. want. But no, you, but you clarified yourself in the rotating of quarterbacks. In college, that's fine. Do it in college all you want. NFL, no. Like, no. just no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to scan this one more time, and I'm probably going to have to end up bouncing out of here. Guys, we appreciate all of your support. Let me see if I can find another couple of another quick question here. Uh, a good one that uh, um, we can kind of close the show out on. Uh, Peter Middleton, we appreciate you. Uh, Veach jumping in here on Twitch. Got to give a shout out to all of our Twitch supporters mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you take away the 80 yard bombs by Drew if you only use him in the red zone, and that's that's also well, a very true statement there. But I mean, you also take away the risk of his interceptions. Like that's I'm not, fair. I'm not going to try to hit on it, to hit on him, and maybe he'll cut back this year. But that, that's kind of where the line of thought is: is that you're saving the boom bust aspect of lock for the red zone, where the velocity can make these tighter window throws, yep. and it also simplifies the reads a little bit because it's a lot tighter in in the uh, in the red zone and everything. It's a lot shorter field, so it's e- a little bit easier to make reads. That's where that's kind of coming from, which I get. It still is just. Terrible yeah. for continuity. Terrible for setting up rhythm. Just, just no. 
Yeah. Uh, Johnny coming in here with a very interesting question. I want to try to do this at some particular point. Are you guys going to have a watch party to watch the game? We've actually kind of talked about this, setting up a stream yard event so that we could get, you know, Nick and Carl and whoever on there. We could all, you know, watch the game together and give kind of live reactions and stuff like wouldn't that. Wouldn't be able to I, stream it. We wouldn't we be, able would stream, be able to no. stream it. You, you would have to watch it. Just want to throw own. that out there. We would not be able to stream it. <laughs> yes, it, it, that is that is very true. That is that is not a possibility. However, a watch party for the game where we have you know our computers going, TV off on the side, and watching the game, giving some commentary and stuff like that. That is something we can do. I would like to explore that possibility. I think that that would be a lot of fun, and maybe we might be able to talk some uh, some more behind the scenes. Johnny, we'll get back to you on that. Uh, don't think that this is going unnoticed because I definitely am intrigued by that idea. Let's see here. Anything else that I can see? We got one from Andrew Baker. Um, this will have to be the last one because we already ran already running a little bit long. He says, Do you think Peyton will build this team better than Elway did? John kind of got lucky putting Manning in, but had a lot of busts. Mm-hmm. Um here is my thing. And I was actually talking to James Campbell, who's a good friend of the show and everything, and Carl Dumler about this a little bit this morning. Yep. Um, John Elway was cheap when it came to signing most free agents, except where he should have been which was that quarterback. He kept going out the the retreads. I mean, Peyton Manning obviously hit, but I mean, they lowballed TJ Ward. They lowballed DeMarcus Ware and they lowballed Emmanuel Sanders, all of whom decided to take the lesser deal to play with Peyton Manning. Um, They almost didn't get a deal done with Von Miller because John Elway lowballed them. Almost didn't get a deal done with Demarius Thomas because Elway lowballed them. Didn't get a deal done with Justin Simmons last year because Elway lowballed him. Well, Peyton came in, he's willing to throw that money out there for players who earn it. And the early signs is that he seems to have a good feel on when to spend and when to be cheap, have this balance. And that's what you got to have. I do think that he will actually build his team better than John Elway did. John Elway was a solid general manager. Not great by any means. I think that he gets a lot more hate for his drafting than most people do. Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. both got low-balled. They both stayed because they of what was being built in Denver with Peyton Manning and everything. But um, is he, he's solid, and I think he gets more hate for his drafts than he should. Some obviously some huge misses, no arguing that. But he had some really nice finds in the mid and late rounds. But George Payton, obviously, we have we have just what nine months, eight months of him on the job, less than eight months of him on the job, so we can't really say for sure. But the signs are that it's going to be a better outcome than John Elway so far with George Payton in a very short sample size. Something that I've noticed about uh, George Payton, and I'm not sure if he learned this from John Elway or just being around the league for as long as he has, is the way that he structures his contracts is very similar to John Elway. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the guaranteed money on the front but, side of things with, with George Payton is more than where John Elway was at. John Elway wasn't say, real quick, is the contract structures isn't exactly Payton's job. Right. That is the cap. That is a cap analyst. That's his job. That is somebody that was held over from John Elway. So it, that makes sense as to why they're structured similarly. Okay. So it, uh, apologies for that. However, George Payton was willing to throw that extra little bit of guaranteed money on the on the front side of it. Because with the Von Miller negotiations back when when he signed his deal back in, I, I believe it was right after the Super Bowl, so 2016 season, 2015-2016 um, season, uh, the, the, the numbers were fine. It was the guaranteed money on the front side that Von Miller had to hang up on. Uh, it was also with Brandon McManus as well, the guaranteed money up front when he was on the franchise tag, same exact thing. 
they, they want the guaranteed money up front because that's the real money. That's the real value of the contract. And John Elliott wasn't willing to spend that money that and put that money into escrow from the team. He wanted to, you know, well, I'm giving you the average that you want and I'm giving you, you know, a, a, a pretty decent guarantee, but I'm not going to move off of that. And he had to, he kind of had to move off of that with Von Miller, with DT, with, with Brandon McManus and some of the other plays you brought in. He got lucky on a lot of deals. And don't get me wrong. Uh, another example, and I was in the group chat when you were talking with James and Carl about this, was Dominic Rogers Cromartie, who, I mean, he offered, you know, I think it was a six year and $70 million contract. It was a contract that Akeem Talib signed because he extended <laughs> yeah. that to Dominic Rogers Cromartie. And DRC said, no, I'm not signing that. You got to give me more guaranteed money. He, I turned around and back that same contract over to keep to Leeds reps. Yep. And, and the story about this is awesome. It's like, eh, why not? Let's take a shot. They did, thought they had no chance. Yeah. Anyway, and, so no, and you're, you're good. You're good. It's more context to it, but that that's how John Elway kind of ran his deals. Now you, you see guys that have grown up as Denver Broncos have come along and shown that they are high quality players in, in Justin Simmons and with Shelby Harris. And those guys got the deals that they wanted. They got fair value deals with guaranteed money on the front side. And I mean, Justin Simmons is the highest paid safety until Jamal Adams signed his deal just a couple of days ago. So like, no, Justin Simmons is still the highest paid safety. Jamal Adams is a linebacker. Well, I mean, you're not wrong, but still technically they have the register (laughs) or they, they have the position registered down as a safety. I don't disagree with you, but regardless, uh, it's, that's that's just the point though george payton's more willing to throw that that guaranteed money on the front side of the contract and get these guys to sign and get them to come back and and reward them it wouldn't be surprising to to see you know Cortland sutton he may not get a top five wide receiver deal just because he's got the injury history and the one year his rookie year where he was i mean he has one he's a one-year wonder for for the most part we got to see what he shows out this year it would not surprise me to see Cortland Sutton get you know a 15 16 million dollar a year deal on an average per year basis with like 40 million dollars guaranteed up front on a five-year deal it really wouldn't surprise me because George Payton's willing to use that guaranteed money and use that leverage and say we want you around you're not gonna be the highest paid guy but we want you here we're going to make a long-term commitment to you John Elway did that but he insulted guys by not giving them any guaranteed money yep so and part uh, of this uh, John Elway when he was a player is a completely different age where there was there was this thing called loyalty to teams, which there's no such thing now. No, I and mean, teams don't show loyalty to players. Players don't show loyalty to teams. That's just done out the window. Um, so that also plays effect into it. But that's going to actually have to do it for us tonight. We've actually yeah. really ran a little bit over. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little late. There was another really good question I wanted to get into. It was something about the Broncos cap space and if they're going to do anything. Just briefly, they're not going to probably do anything. Moves, but roll most of it over. Exactly. They're going to roll most of that over. But anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us. You guys, thank you all for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can find me on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, at DVDD underscore pod. That's a podcast account. You're going to find out the topic we're talking about tonight. Occasionally, we'll throw some takes out there, but not very often. But follow at DVDD underscore pod to keep in tune with what's going on with the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, also, guys, make sure you guys are following the mother account at Mile High Huddle. That's where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. You're going to get opinion articles, uh, quote breakdowns, film breakdowns like the stuff that Eric's throwing out there. Uh, Zach Hicks, a, a new guy on Mile High Huddle, has one on PJ Locke the other day. I know that uh, you had one, Eric, on Bradley Chubb's sacks, and then I believe it was interceptions for Teddy Bridgewater should be coming out here soon. Danny Moody, I'm still working on the Teddy Bridgewater interceptions. Because there's actually a whole point that I want to make that we kind of touched on it about it a little bit tonight. Okay, well, I'm intrigued I want to, to see that. that. 
yeah, the Tommy Moody. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. But anyways, guys, you're going to find that at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Facebook supporters, again, go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Click the blue Become a Supporter button. You're going to get premium content from the Mile High Huddle crew, including the Trickle Zone on airing on Saturdays at noon. Eric, what's on deck for the Trickle Zone this week if you got one coming? The game. Going to be talking more about the game. Okay, sounds good. We'll get some more game breakdown for you. Uh, Broncos Book Club going over the Jason Cole, uh, the Jason Cole book about John Elway. I think is still where they're at. Um, and then also at Kelberman's Corner on Sundays at noon, where you will get hot takes that hold water. Which, with. Zach, the Kelberman Corner will be actually changing times to, due to the season starting and games and everything like that. So just keep an eye out for that. Eventually, it will be moving times. Okay, uh, thank you for that. I, d- I did not actually know that. Uh, I didn't anyways, know that on Saturday. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, anyways, guys, facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click the blue, become a supporter button. It means a lot. It's $5 a month. Not a whole lot there. Um, and guys, I mean, it, it helps every single little bit helps. If you guys really want to show a great way to show your support for the show, huddle up pod.com guys, that's the merch booth. I'm a concert junkie. I got concerts coming up here soon. Cannot wait to get back out in the fray, but that's the merch booth. That's where you're going to guys uh, are going to get some hats. You're going to get this new Dove Valley deep divers, uh, hashtag state of being t-shirt. You got the Dove Valley deep divers t-shirt that Eric's wearing. Um, there's a Facebook uh, face mask. There's a, uh, a coffee, a coffee cup, um, a hoodie, something for the guys, something for the gals, a onesie for your baby. If you want something like that, huddleuppod.com. That's where you guys are going to get that. And if you guys aren't, you know, financially able to do so, I, I mean, Times are still a little rough right now, or that's just not your bag. You know, buying merch isn't your kind, kind of your thing. There's three things you all should be doing by now. Uh, subscribe, wherever you guys are watching this, specifically on YouTube, um, but also Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, anywhere you guys get your co- uh, your podcast content. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, especially on YouTube. And if you love it, share it. Share it out in front of as many Broncos fans as you can because as many eyes as we can get on this, it's the most organic way you can help us grow our show and grow our community because without you guys doing what you do best, we can't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. So with that, guys, uh, Eric, any last words? Yeah, I've just got to say that I'm actually really amazed that we made it through this, having a conversation about the quarterback with neither one of us being called a law cater. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you you hate drew lock and you know it <laughs> no I, uh again guys thank you all for for joining with us quite honestly I, I don't feel very good i hope i didn't sound too bad but and also fighting through my son screaming in the background and eric's also having some stuff going on behind the scenes but thank you all for joining us and sticking with us you all stay safe take care have a great rest of your weekend and as always go broncos beat the seahawks we'll see you guys same time same place next week